Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal will fly to two. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut. Got no time for no petty turns. Pandemic, a pandemic turn. Horror still in Amityville. Bayonet in Gettysburg. Mothman, TNT. Factory, red eyes, low beam. Dog man howling in the street. I'm typically skeptic of what I see. Voodoo, hoodoo in New Orleans. Thunderbird, swamp thing. Is it real? I was wondering. Typical. Skeptic. Show. Typical. Skeptic. Show. Okay, right on. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have a fascinating guest with me today. I have with me uh, Christian Nicholas. He's with the website existentialliberation.com. And uh, I originally had an initial conversation with Christian about just like life and all this stuff that we're all kind of going through, like awakening, spirituality, ufology, paranormal secret space, whatever. He gets into it all, which is what I like. So, you know, I thought it would be nice to invite him on the show. This is his first podcast. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a discussion. Then we're going to share his website too. And just kind of like his core beliefs on like what's going on with everything. And I'm just really honored to have him. And I'm really honored that he would want to do my show. So Christian, thank you for wanting to do my show. And and uh, it's so nice to meet you. And thank you for coming on. How are you? My pleasure, Robert. I'm super, super happy to meet you. And I knew when I saw your podcast that my friend did, I'm like, oh, I got to gotta meet you and I want to talk to you. You have a really great vibe and the subject matter is so compelling and important. And I think that humanity is at a shift point and, uh, you know, it seems darkest before the dawn, but I think uh, a lot of things are going on. And I know all your guests and your audience are probably well aware of that, that we're in a shift and everybody's curious and open. So I did that existential liberation website just as a gesture of a stream of consciousness it wasn't really about uh like writing so much I, I really wanted to just put something that was fundamental and immediate and could be read like a stream of consciousness and just kind of for the people that are maybe just asking questions for the first time questioning things looking for answers uh trying to understand themselves and right at that moment so i wanted to try to be a part of that moment that's and, awesome uh, so that's- 
Where, where do you like? Do you want me to share? I'll go I'll share it real quick, and then we can kind of go over it. And uh, if that, if, it, if you should be, can you see that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like this. You say, free your mind, see truth, and live your authentic life. Recover your innate sense of freedom and agent self agency. Remember who you are for your greater good and one and all. And we are all connected. And I mean, I'll, I'll keep reading here. This is a pretty in interesting stuff. Become aware of your self identity, development, the worldview is being shaped by social conditioning and indoctrination. Then you've been programmed by authoritative influences to blindly conform from birth. Would you be willing to let it all go? Comfort, security, acceptance, social status to authentically and fundamentally be free. Wow. Before we keep going, I think that's really powerful because I think that's <clears throat> kind of like what everybody's coming to a realization of. I think like what everybody is realizing that we've been really indoctrinated and that like there's a lot of uh, a lot of our reality isn't what we thought it was. If that makes Absolutely. sense. I think, and that stems to all the problems we see in our history and our, our current world. And uh, there's a way there's a way through that. I mean, if uh, part of the problem has been social engineering and suppression of our origins and uh, as humanity, as human beings, and uh, also reconciling that with our spiritual nature, uh, uh, love consciousness. You know, love. You know, God is love. This idea that love energy to the infinite is kind of the soul and source of of our experience and that our consciousness is like the constructive mechanism that allows us to experience it. So we're all having a subjective experience of the universe experience itself, right? So that's our spiritual nature. It's completely infinite. And so for us to reconcile that with our humanity, so while we're here as human beings, we can function more fully and live in a world that would make more sense to a higher vibrational consciousness. Because I would say that we are infinite vibrational beings having a human experience. Right. I, so, I agree. I agree. So reconciling those two things and liberating those two aspects of ourselves and reconciling all that. And I, I really believe in the idea that it's very here and now. It's not uh, something that's exclusive and takes all sorts of stuff to kind of get to necessarily. It's really just about a simple fundamental realization. That's why I love peak experience. And uh, when you get these opportunities to kind of get clarity and, uh, you know, when you zoom out and get the big picture and you engage it with your body, your mind, and your spirit, you start recognizing truth. You start developing an inner compass and uh, it, it draws you like yellow brick road, the rabbit hole, right? And you use your courage and your sense of integrity and your loyalty to yourself and your love for yourself. And that sense of empathy, I think is empathy is so powerful, your intuition and empathy and, uh, you know, putting your body, your mind, and your spirit together, controlling your mind, trusting your gut, following your heart, right? Yeah. That we can all existentially liberate and we can live in a reality of our choosing from a heartfelt, beautiful, constructive, creative place, one for all and all for one. I, I believe that so amazingly in, in, in such a powerful way. And I've had this experience ever since I was a kid. It's just, I'm going to be 61 in a, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and, uh, it's all kind of like led to, the, to this kind of sense of realization. And uh, it's Wait, hard because you, you get really uh, frustrated. You're really going to be 61? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Like, you look like you're like my age, like you're 40 years old. Like, you're, you, how, what's your secret to success? <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. It's just, uh, if, if anything, I just, uh, my living in consciousness and perceiving everything as energy and kind of seeing yourself as energy and, I practice Qigong and martial arts and breath work and, you know, I take supplements and, and I take care of my body, right? And my mind and my spirit. And I would imagine how I would hope that it would affect your biology and how you 
you know, so, and I've been training my whole life. I served for 40 years and I've studied martial arts for years. I have a daily practice. I always do a little bit of something every day, whether it's yoga, concepts, breathing, martial arts, uh, cardio, core balance training, you know, meditation, of course. And just, just that basic sense of practice, I would imagine, affects your, you know, your body, your mind, your spirit. So other than that. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I think that's one thing we have in common is we both surfed. I was a surfer as well, too, for a long time. I think like becoming one with the ocean really gives you a sense of like, um, I don't know how to say it. Like, it's like, it, it's magical, man. Like, it's like being one with nature, being out there, like in the waves. And like, it's something that can take your life, but it's something that can create a beautiful experience as well. Would you agree? Oh, my God. I, I, don't, I could go on and on about that. We'll just speak to soul surfing for a moment. Uh, just starting with a really beautiful grand epiphany that is fun to have as a surfer. You know, I always loved the server, silver surfer, you know, surfing the ocean cosmic. That idea was always very, you know, this always resonated with me. So I've been surfing for 40 years. And from the very first time I stood up on a surfboard or even before that surfing on boogie boards, it, it just hit me deep. You know, it just resonated and hit me deep in ways that I couldn't fully understand, but I was drawn, you know, so that started the journey and I'd surf in the dead of winter in a, in a cheap, thin wetsuit, freezing my butt off. But I just, I wanted to be out there in the waves and uh, I started surfing and from my very earliest surfing experience, I resonated with a more smooth line. Like I didn't like doing tricks and, and short board stuff. I'd like to have a longer, eggier board that I could just carve with. Because I was also skateboarding back in the 70s, right? And the best way to skate, my favorite way to skateboard was in a snake run or a half pipe where you're just carving up and down. I was just so attracted to that. And just like when I did that, it was like meditation, like a whirling dervish. It was just like put you in the zone, right? Even before I even knew what the zone was, right? But looking back, I thought, oh, yeah, there it is, right? And so my surfing experience was the same way. Just finding that line, adaptively attuning yourself to the line of the wave before you even intellectually think about it. You're just feeling it, man. And that was it. I became a soul surfer from that moment, and I engaged surfing that way. And over the years, you know, I would meditate and stretch before I got in the water. I always have a sense of intention. Uh, you know, I, I, I practice this idea of wave attraction where you, the conditions are what they are, but you raise your vibration. You have the greatest sense of the greater good. You want everybody to get waved. You don't want to be selfish. You just want to have fun, one for all and all for one. You get that vibe and uh, things happen, man. Things happen. Waves will pop up. <laughs> it won't be too dramatic to pass the conditions, but it's just a sense of like energies coming together because the great realization about surfing is everything is waves. Gravitational waves, light waves, sound waves, everything you can think of, everything is waves. So everything is surfing. Life is surfing. Everything. You surf your emotions. You surf your circumstances. You surf your levels of enlightenment or your, your vibration. You're surfing the sense of growth, right? Uh, overcoming obstacles and challenges, reconciling your humanity with your spirituality, uh, your relationships uh, with people, with money, with everything right so life is surfing so this idea of soul surfing always having the spirit of the greater good in mind always using holistic engagement body mind and spirit right it, it'll light anything up no matter you wash dishes you can no matter nothing's too mundane you can light it up and you can raise your vibration and then it doesn't matter what you're doing but the beauty thing, beautiful thing about surfing is that you're in the ocean with the dolphins and the seals and the negative ions and the sun and hopefully some good brothers and sisters, you know, because 
one as the dark side of surfing is uh, territorialism, right? It's always been with surfing, no matter where you go in the world. Yeah. And what I noticed over the decades of surfing is that well, those people are addicted to something they don't understand. They're living on the surface. So they're scared of losing whatever that makes them feel. Right. And they also try to, it, this is just my kind of observation that they tend to want to kind of dominate the wave, dominate the circumstances, dominate the area and the other surfers. Right. And so it colors their surfer. They're surfing from my perception. Right. And uh, their whole approach to relationship to surfing is it's just like an addiction. They don't fully understand. So they're shallow and there's a lot of chaos instead of going simple and deep. And then when you, when you do that, when you go simple and deep instead of shallow and complicated and chaotic, everything opens up, man. And miracles happen. Magic happens. And surfing is just so conducive to that. So, you know, the ocean is just amazing. I think my, one of the hardest things for me was, I mean, cause I used to skateboard like yourself. I skateboarded in the nineties, like mm -hmm. when it started becoming more um, easier or not easier, like the boards got like thinner and the wheels got smaller and it was about like doing like tricks. Like when I was doing, it was like about like, you know, like heel flips, kick flips, half cab, kick flips, 180, 360 flips, stuff like that. But then mm -hmm. I always had loved that soul surfer type stuff because I started surfing in my twenties. And then I, um, I, I, I saw the movie Lords of Dogtown and that was a great movie as far as like, um, as far as like, you know, just like the history of like skateboarding and surfing and stuff. I'd recommend anybody that's interested in extreme sports to see that. But, um, also what I wanted to say was, I think the hardest part for me of learning to surf was, um, getting past the waves, you know, cause you have to get past the waves and then you paddle into a wave to catch a wave. Right. That mm -hmm. was like the, the hardest thing for me. I had to paddle. I like was learning how to, you know, uh, you know, paddle out past the waves and then paddle into a wave. Cause it takes a lot of energy and strength. It takes a lot. You have to be really in shape to do it. You know? Yeah. It's a practice. It's, it's something that you will learn. It takes time and hopefully you have a good teacher. Like everything. It's always nice when you have a senior, good teacher that can, you know, give you the ins and outs when you start. But if you don't, you know, I didn't really, <laughs> you just got to learn and you will, you observe other surfers and you learn about waves and you know how to duck dive and you know how to swim out of rip currents and uh, having that awareness and that's the beauty of the process and that's how you grow that's how you learn expand and you become inspired because that process is very inspiring you know you get your first couple of waves man it just pushes you along really easily before you it's, know it surfing you know? is spiritual people don't realize how spiritual surfing is it's it's like the mo most interconnected oneness that you'll ever have in your entire life i feel you know what's so, so interesting about it is like you know i haven't been surfing lately i did this like 10 years ago but now i'd love to go back but i don't live near the ocean you know what i mean but i gotta get back to it because i now that i see like like how amazing it was for my life and stuff you know it, it was remember uh, waveform ubiquity in nature means life is surfing right think about it man waveform ubiquity in nature means life is surfing so you can surf all the time no matter what you're doing and if you want to surf waves, there are wave pools now. <laughs> I haven't done one yet, but I want to do one. And the cool thing about that is you can just lock yourself in the pocket and just kind of sit there and relax, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, th so that's a, another option. You could do that on a boogie board, too, if you want a bodyboard or a surfboard. And, uh, you know, just you can pick the kind of waves you want to surf, too. Picking your conditions and waves is always nice if you want to have a certain kind of experience, you know, kind of being intentional about it, visualizing it and looking for that opportunity. That's part of the surfing process, I would guess, you know, finding your waves, finding your moment, 
Yeah. One thing you mentioned to me in text is that you've been doing a lot of Wim Hof breathing techniques. Like, but before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, like, how did you like get into all these alternative topics? Like, what was it that like kind of made you realize your reality wasn't what you thought it was? Did you have paranormal experiences growing up or did you, were you, did you have a UFO experience or, or were you just always interested in the topics or kind of like what drew you into this stuff? Well, it was a combination of intuition and sensitivity from an early age. Really early, at my earliest memories, I had moments of just this weird sense of peace in certain locations and moments and a sense of awareness that I couldn't comprehend or understand, but they stuck with me. And those, that feeling led me, guided me down my path. And I can see that now in retrospect. And of course, there is no real retrospect. It's just a, a greater understanding of a bigger moment, <laughs> you know, the the more expansive here and now, right? But so it was a combination of that sensitivity and my parents, man. My parents were, you know, very kind of like eclectic and open-minded and curious and open. Uh, I have a whole bunch of my dad's UFO books. In the 90s, I went to a UFO convention and, and watched the lecture of Whitley Strieber talking about his thing. And that was my favorite connection with my dad was that. And so my, I remember my mom talking about Vietnam and talking about the United Fruit Companies and why we're really there. You know, so she taught me how to start questioning things and then and and looking for the truth and trusting myself. And our house was full of music, was full of books and magazines of stuff, you know, and social justice kind of art and philosophers and, you know, classical music and all that kind of stuff. And so that inspired me. So a combination of those two things. And then when I started experiencing my own injustices and having blissful experiences and having traumatic experiences and and uh, really coming face to face with the status quo and our society as it is, right? And, and dealing with zombies, basically just disconnected people who are just completely not understanding. They're projecting all this self-loathing and, and all this confusion because they're not being nurtured and, and taught properly. Basically. They're dysfunctional. They're just like, uh, you know what I mean? So dealing with all that. And so, you know, that led to things like martial arts, you know, philosophy I was always into, music surfing, skateboarding, uh, punk rock was a, a spiritual experience for me. I started going to punk rock shows like 79, 80 in there, you know, right as I'm getting out of high school, I got into the punk rock scene in San Diego and seeing the very earliest punk rock bands, Circle Jerk, Dead Kennedys, Black Flag, any of those bands in a tiny little club, Lions Club, Fairmont Hall, these little punk clubs in San Diego. And I was dealing with my own pain and sensitivities and looking for something, justice, truth, answers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And catharsis, right? Before I even knew that word. <laughs> and, man, 
I would go to these punk shows and it was scary and tense. The cops were not our friends. Authority was definitely like, you know, all over us and, and, and not showing integrity and, you know, things like that. And as you would hope, <laughs> so that just kind of fueled that fire. But it was chaotic, but there was a beauty in it. You know, I would leave shows, drenched and sweat, ears ringing, you know, all this stuff that goes with it. But it was a catharsis and it was something there. And it drew me down my path even further because I got into martial arts. But while I was in punk rock, you know, sometimes doing drugs, drinking, doing crazy stuff. I was also training in the karate studio 20 hours a week and surfing. And so just, I fell into a balance. And so one thing helped the other, right? Yeah, so that I, helped me dude, learn you don't understand how much we're alike. Like I've been listening to like punk rock and hip hop my whole life. Like I still listen to like, that's mostly like my, my main sources of music are like what I would call underground hip hop. So it's it's not really mainstream and more underground punk. Like I like a lot, like some of the, they're considered older bands now, but they're not that old, like Screeching Weasel, uh, Sloppy Seconds was a good older band I liked a lot. Just to like name a few, um, the Queers were always good. I don't know if you like that. I love the Misfits. I love Black oh, Flag. I saw um, the mis I saw the Misfits at a club called the Lions Club in San Diego, a little tiny club. I remember it so clearly. And those shows were dangerous back then. The pits were crazy, but it was so fun. It was so crazy and so like raw and real. Just that it was magical, you know. I used luckily to go to the I warp tour. It. Did you go to the yeah. you remember the warp tour? The warp tour, yeah, absolutely. I actually yeah. never went to a warp tour show, but yeah, it was definitely all the all the things at once. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, I mean skateboarding, that, surfing, music. That's amazing. Like I and then and then we also relate on like um martial arts. I used to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I used to do mixed martial arts too. I, I love martial arts. I think like martial arts could give anybody like a, a great solid background for like how you should like kind of morally and ethically behave because it teaches you how to respect people and it teaches you how to respect yourself because you know you have the ability to kind of end someone at any moment you know what i mean like mm -hmm. you know like it can matter it doesn't matter if the person's bigger than you but like you know also not to use that because it's not right to hurt other humans unless you're in great danger like i think bruce lee was a a, a good example of that you know like what his philosophies and so like i had the tale of jeet kundo when i was a kid i love that book that's an amazing book you know absolutely yeah yeah i was a big bruce lee fan my walls were covered bruce lee stuff just studied him and studied him and uh yeah he was a big a big uh, influence on me as well as as well as more hey shiba the aikido founder um i studied temple and taekwondo um but you know i i really loved the idea of aikido and the art of peace because uh you know i grew up watching kung fu and David Carradine and that. So I fell in love with that notion of being confronted with violence and just the idea of where martial arts was born from. You know, that's why so many of the early martial art weapons were farming implements because like, you know, people are like, so the monks were like, how can we protect ourselves and protect other people from people that are, are coming at us with hostility and being malevolent? And what do we do and maintain our peace or our connection, right? That's what the martial arts was born of. And in that practice, the idea is to transcend the physical violence. So yeah, you're training physically how to do deadly techniques. Yeah, but the idea is to absolutely never use those techniques, right? The idea is to create an energy like a Jedi Knight, right? You're one with the force, right? Because once, once you have that inner integrity, it's like the universe can trust you and you're given more insights, more power, your more ability, because now the inner universe can trust you, the greater good, the collective consciousness. 
love, God consciousness, whatever, our divinity, right? And so you're given more ability. So you're going is like a uh, a monk, if you will, an avatar, uh, you know, uh, you know, Neo. We're all Neo in the Matrix, man. It's not about one person. We're all the one. We're all the one. That's the idea. We're all the one in our own story, our own subjective experience, connected to everybody else, right? So we yeah, have to say our. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say there's a reason why those Shaolin monks did like martial arts besides like otherwise like they would just meditate all day. But they 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 did that to defend themselves. Right. And like to be more spiritually Zen. Is that correct? Absolutely. And, you know, and I had to learn to understand it at a younger age, I, I would say, like, well, why aren't the monks going out and feeding the poor and, and getting out in the street and doing stuff with just meditating all day? Of course, now it's ridiculous. I understand the quantum effects of consciousness. Right. So a monk meditating is it, is affecting a million people. It's rippling out in such a powerful way because the meditation is so deep and the integrity is so deep, right? And the intention is so deep, right? On the counter of that, people who are, who are dysfunctional and never allowed to develop and they're sent to prisons, right? And they just fester in their own dysfunction and misery. That's putting out all this poor person because they're not being able to be redeemed and healed. They're just radiating out all this horrible energy, right? Yeah. I mean, so, if you so think about just all the, the consciousness that... part of it, but the martial arts part of it, excuse me, I don't mean to. It's uh, okay. But the martial arts part of it is to transcend violence. Yes, you learn the very, very last resort, if you absolutely had to, is to use an effective technique to end the altercation. But the idea is that in that, within that practice, you're learning how to energetically make the, 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 make the, um, the combat never even appear. Like you stop it before it ever happens. You're already ahead of it. Right. So and my my Kempo teacher taught me that because I got jumped once uh, on when I was on LSD <laughs> and I got mm -hmm. jumped at a mall. We were going to go see a midnight movie, uh, Kentucky Fried movie. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Just a goof. Right. It's just a, and a perfect example of not doing the right set and setting on a psychedelic. Right. But that was a, a learning experience when I was young and we ended up getting jumped. Right. And, uh, you know, that really was a horrible experience to have. <laughs> Uh, and, and dealing with all that, and uh, it affected me deeply. And I was already studying the martial arts, but my Kempo teacher taught me, showed me how I walked right into it. I walked right into it. I was just too naive, and I didn't see what I was getting myself into, and I, and I set that up. So he was just showing me how you could have avoided that situation completely before you ever got there. And um, having that sense of awareness is a, a big part of the martial arts. This is all about peace, period. What do you think about the, um, this is like, well, you mentioned like you did LSD. So I'm guessing you've done shrooms before like me and I've done DMT yep. and you know, I've uh, now like, like if I do anything now, it's like, it's for more like for spiritual growth. You know what I mean? I, I don't experiment like I did when I was a kid, but I did do shrooms. I've done them on live streams recently and stuff like that. But like, what are your thoughts on the war on drugs? Like, I think this is a big problem. I've heard Joe Rogan talk about it. And I think he has some good points. Like, I here's what I think. I think a lot of drugs should be decriminalized because I think a lot of people make stupid decisions and they end up spending a lot of years of their life and then their lives get ruined because they can't get out of that funk that never lets them get a chance to reset and like kind of, I mean, like, I don't think someone needs to be in prison for long periods of time for one stupid mistake. Now, it's there's a difference. Now, if there's someone who's transporting like, kilos of cocaine obviously that's a bad person lock that person up but if someone gets caught with like a 10 strip of acid or something and they end up having to go to jail for like years for that i just don't think that's fair i don't know what, what do you think like would you have a perspective on it 
Oh, absolutely. And I would just go back to the fundamental story of social engineering and money and power and control. Okay. And the suppression of cannabis, right? They didn't, science didn't discover the, end, the endocannabinoid system until the 90s, right? But it's always been there. It's in every mammal on earth. It's in us every day, right? So cannabis is sacred. So the reefer madness crap was just a way of suppressing psychedelic uh, insights in the human species, right? And in, in, in people in our society that doesn't serve the money and the power, right? So they suppress that stuff. They want you drunk, irritated, docile, compliant. So you can be controlled, work in factories, be cannon fodder, serve, serve the status quo. That's part of the social engineering that exists in our country, in most of the modern world, and throughout history, there's paternal feudalistic pattern has been replicating itself over and over again. And the only way that happens is subjugating the masses, keeping them scared, frustrated, distracted, right? Bread and circuses like the Romans used, right? The Colosseum and some bread and shit, and it keeps people distracted, and they just are being used and sub subjugated. So that pattern's been going, and the reason that that's where existential liberation comes in. It's the idea of all of us raising our vibration, becoming more self-aware, connected to love consciousness, the greater good, one for all and all for one. So you learn to know yourself and love yourself, and then you treat others as you treat yourself, the golden rule, right? Which is the, you know, the, you know, the, all the, the core of all spiritual teachings, basically, right? All right, but I got a tough question. This is an interesting one, though. Like, how do you think, like, UFOs and the paranormal fits into our current situation with like maybe our ascension or, or, you know, if people don't believe in the new age stuff, then like our, our consciousness expansion, because I would say if, if, if we're not ascending to a fifth dimension or something like that, then we're definitely in a consciousness expansion time of our, of our society. I definitely see that, but like, I may not be, I may be a little bit skeptical on like some fifth dimension type stuff. Like, uh, you know, like I believe I, you know, I'm just, I, sorry, I'm, I'm tight tongue twisted because I'm trying to like, I'm not opposed to it. It's not like I'm against it. I just feel like, you know, I, 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 I'm really evidence-based. I like, you know, but at the same time, I'm really open-minded. Like you'll, I, you know, I entertain all kinds of guests, but like, I'm, what I'm trying to say is how do you think like UFOs and the paranormal kind of fit into like what's going on? Or do you think it has a place? I think it has a huge place. Absolutely. And this is something I've been, you know, seeking the truth for 45 years, and I always never want to bullshit myself and be deluded. I'm always ready to drop everything I think I know for the truth. I really don't care. So I just I dig and I look, and I've learned to engage these things holistically. So I trust my gut, follow my heart. I'm aware of my mind. I use my mind intentionally, right? And I look at everything and I take it in. And it's not even a question for me anymore. To me, it's just a, a matter of helping people overcome their cognitive dissonance because it's all around us. The evidence is everywhere. It's in religion. It's in all the creation myths. It's in it's in everything. It's everywhere and in pop culture. I mean, it's been reflected through the Matrix or Close Encounters, or you know, it's it's in this. It's in our subconscious. It's our truth. It's in our genetics. You know, the immaculate conception, right? The missing link. Right? All yeah. this stuff, it's all in our genetics. There's no such thing as junk DNA. That doesn't make sense in such perfection of reality that we're experiencing, right? So I think it's all connected, like going back to the war on drugs. It's the idea of suppressing those things that become obvious to you once you raise your vibration and you unencumber yourself with past and the future and all the, the, the stuff that becomes you attached to you, right? 
you enlighten yourself, you raise your vibration, and then everything becomes very obvious. It's it's not something that's exclusive or difficult. It's simple and easy. You just have to get rid of the complicated chaos and stop living on the surface. Go deep. Sim everything simple. When in doubt, zoom out. Think of things on a fundamental level, right? And then everything becomes more clear. You don't have to like manhandle or just try to like, you know, control all the details. And you, have to, you can surrender and sit back and let things just come to you. You know, if you maintain your fundamental awareness and connection to these things, the details work themselves out. They just appear to you. You know, it just helps you trust more and surrender that a little bit. Pull back. Focus on the fundamentals. Stay inspired. Stay connected. Maintain your connections, man. And everything just appears to you like the wave creation, right? And I had miraculous experiences with that. And it, and I would just get, one time I got this really profound experience where I just heard this, almost not like a disembodied voice, but just a sense of don't be disruptive. Don't, that was for you. Don't be disruptive. It wasn't like that's for you and because you're better than them or anything like that. It was nothing like that at all. You're going to inspire other people. You're going to help them find that and create that moment for themselves through your practice and your experiences. So it's sharing, right? They may react to it as, uh, but that's where they're at. So you just help inspire and be yourself and do your magic and let things happen. And the universal, sometimes it's about just maintaining some grace and discretion at times. So you're not too disruptive. Right. So, you know, so things that help you uh, connect to that have been suppressed. Right. And so one of the big problems we have as human beings is reconciling our human origins. And that's where UFOs and aliens come in. Long story short, everybody's just going to have to dig into this stuff on their own if they're earnest and sincere and they want to know the truth. Take the red pill, follow the white rabbit, and there's a million places you can look nowadays. You know, ancient history, uh, you know, all the ancient megalithic cultures, uh, all the ancient megalithic sites. Uh, in 2003, I went to England and, and walked for a week in the, in the crop formations and had a very profound experience and was easily able to discern the fake from the authentic circles because of their energetic properties you you got to tell me about that that's amazing like but and when, when you were in those crop formations did it feel like you were like were you like this is alien like this is not like did you say like this was not man-made like there was no I, this is what i would think I and think, that's what I would I, think, is that is that kind of how you felt or like absolutely and that's where i kept it was and i didn't necessarily have to be aliens but it was something special it wasn't yeah, mundane yeah yeah, and if I get into sense. a fake formation, that you know the crop would be broken, smashed, and had a dead energy to it. If you're sensitive, you'll feel it. I mean, your hair will stand up on your body. And if you're sensitive, it's going to be super powerful. It's going to make you dizzy and have not. It was insane. So the, the formations that felt real to me, man, you can look at the brain and the nodes on the wheat are stretched and bent over from heat, some kind of energy. And they're interlaced and it's perfect, you know, perfect and you feel the energy in there, man. And I would just meditate and connect. It was so powerful and so amazing. It was uh, during a heat wave in 2003. It was really intense. You know, so I did a lot of walking, lost like eight to 10 pounds in a week. <laughs> just went to ancient megalithic sites, the long burrows, the ancient played didgeridoo and, and stuff like that. And it was really cool. Do you do a lot of traveling? Do you, do you, do you like to travel? Not really. <laughs> I mean, I did, you know, I saw them and stuff like that. You know, now I'm really happy staying still. I've, I've done so much crazy stuff in my life and been in a lot of places and done a lot of stuff. Uh, I feel like I'm catching up to myself and I like to be still and I, I get so much juice from the idea of inner work and uh, expanding my consciousness for the, I feel more powerful and more able to contribute to the greater good 
by staying still and connecting with my consciousness. And then I, I, I connect with society as it comes to me. And I always try to maintain that presence wherever I'm at, doing whatever I'm doing. Wow, so, we relate yeah, on so, I, so many levels. I, I, I really like, I, I, it's, it's so weird how, how much we're alike, man. Like well, I, I feel resonance with you, brother, man. It's like, I first time, like, oh man, this guy's cool. I just felt that sense of resonance. So yeah, it's easy. Yeah, like, uh, so like, where I think where I want to go. Is, oh, I wanted to ask you about um, what your thoughts are on like simulation theory, because I know you referenced the Matrix a couple of times. Do you think we're in some simulation? And then to backdrop on that question, I know you have more of like a positive outlook towards life. Some people think we're in like a soul trap. Do you think that like, what are your thoughts on the whole soul trap thing? And do you think that this is like we're in a, a Matrix or a simulation? Well, I mean, like in the movie, The Matrix, you know, it's like malevolent AI using us as batteries, right? So, you know, we blotted out the sun when they created solar power for themselves. And so we nuked the planet and blocked out the sun. And, you know, so they started harvesting humans for energy, right? So that's just an idea. So it's a different ways of looking at The Matrix. You can just look at The Matrix as like everything, you know, the universe, the matrix of creation. So it's just a word. I, I always you know, try to be a little bit careful with semantics and words because it's easy to get lost in that, you know? And so that's why it's so much into experience, experiential things, you know, yeah. vibes, because they speak the truth always and you don't get lost in translation. I, you know, I can enjoy words a little bit. That's why my blog is just a little stream of consciousness. I included quotes. I included pictures of uh, infinite icons. That I have tattoos on my body where I, I drew the artwork for long periods of time in, in pencil and then got the tattoo. So those images are there. To I'm share, gonna share it again. My experience, some peak experiences. And then uh yeah, that's what those are. So I have quotes in there and I have these images. Originally I drew them with with pens and pencils for my tattoos personally. These are digitized with Adobe Illustrator for this for the sake of this. And I have some NFTs and on pixels I have the same artwork. Um it's digitized. But for my tattoos, they were done organically with pen and pencil and used for the stencils for my tattoos. It's just a, it charge the process of intention, right? And then the quotes are to say, hey man, these, we're all in this together. This is, we're, this is a stream of consciousness, right? There's no ownership for anybody. It's all of us together. It's beautiful, free and inclusive and inspiring to say that, hey man, a lot of people in our human experience have had, these, had this kind of awareness through their different subjective experiences. Some of them was through science, some people through mysticism and philosophy and, and spirituality and some people through religion, right? Without all the conflations and, uh, <laughs> you know, creation myth stuff conflated with the spiritual nature of us, right? Which is religion, I think, was created for by our progenitors to help uh, kickstart early civilization with guidelines and structure. And so they conflated our human spiritual nature with the human origin story, right? Yeah. So that's why you get such a conflict. So it's convoluted and conflated and, and misused historically, right? I mean, in the worst ways to this very day. So do you uh, believe that like we we were like visited by some species like or somebody maybe genetically modified us and that's how we got here? Or, well, like, going, yeah, you... going. That's what I would say going back to the matrix is I sometimes I look at the insanity and I, I think that maybe somehow, maybe genetically uh, something's, it's just like a, some something has kind of blocked our connection to deeper faculties unless you make a concerted and sincere and earnest effort or by accident you get struck by lightning or something like that right it's easy for humanity to get sucked into some kind of weird dense 
kind of hypnosis. And that might be by some type of design or influence from genetically, or, I mean, I'm just, you know, you know, putting out uh, ideas. I don't know for sure. Sometimes it just seems like something's going on. Something's affecting people. I mean, you know, you could think of like, it could be something in the air, some kind of signal that keeps people confused and disconnected, or it's just the effects of social engineering. And when you have a, a high number of people functioning, dis, uh, dis, having a dysfunctional vibration with their consciousness, with the relationship with their self, right? Through indoctrination, through programming of all the institutions of our society, all the things that were, uh, you know, kind of totally indoctrinated by and influenced by from the time we're born, even prenatally, right? Chemicals, preservatives, TV, uh, parents, multi-generational dysfunction passed from generation to generation, dysfunctional parent raising this another dysfunctional kid, you know? So we see lots of examples of that, right? Where the, where the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree and the kids end up just like the parents. And if there's never a break in that cycle, nobody gets to grow and fully function. And don't forget that they're us, they're all of us. So if they're creating a crazy energy in their consciousness, they're just as powerful, they're just as powerful as we are, right? So that, and that's a lot of energy, man. They're putting out all those bad vibes because they're not connected with themselves. That's why it's so nice to be able to help create that beautiful energy in your personal life because it resonates out, it ripples out quantumly. And then you, you let somebody in on the freeway, any opportunity you have that to create a good vibe, it, it will ripple and resonate quantumly and affect things. And just be a part of that, man. You know, that's the best any of us can do, no matter what your vehicle is. Wow, look yourself. at this picture. You weren't lying when you said you surf, man. Like, I have pictures like this, but I I mean, like, you're really catching the tube here, man. This, this is awesome. Like, I'm so geeked about this photo. Like, the, you, you, <laughs> I love you, really, you really went out in full wetsuit and everything. Because you you're from California, right? Or that, yeah, or... man. So, yeah, in the winter, it gets cold. And I get cold. So, I like to be warm, stay loose. Yeah. So, yeah that was a winter wave. And I remember that wave very clearly. And what, uh, yeah, what, in the East Coast here, they surf on the well. I never did it because I've only surfed in the summer in the like hurricane season on the East Coast because that's mm -hmm. when we get the best waves. Your, yeah, your ocean is a lot more powerful than our ocean. Like the Pacific Ocean, for some reason, has a lot more power than the Atlantic. I don't know why. I I don't know. But if you look at like places like Hawaii and California, as compared to places like Florida or Virginia Beach or North Carolina, it's not even a comparison. Like. I really feel like I don't I can't say that I'm like positive on that. And I but I, I, I really, truly think that I'd have to look it up. I But somebody told me that once. And then I kind of thought, oh, that makes sense, because it was well, I would say like, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say I would say like in, Cal in, in California and the Pacific Coast, we get a lot of long ground swells uh, that creates a lot of big waves uh, in the East Coast. They tend to get a lot of shorter, you know, kind of hurricane stuff. Right. So it gets big in the hurricane and it's powerful then. And of course, there's huge, strong Atlantic storms. But I just know that California, we get a lot of these long range, deep ground swells, you know, that create really big surf. You know, and Hawaii for me was like surfing in California. I got sucked over the falls a couple of times in Hawaii because it was more powerful than I was used to coming from California, even though the water's less dense. It was more dense when it's colder. Right. Uh, but the wave is more powerful in Hawaii than California. For whatever reason, the type yeah. of swells they get.
I remember one time I was in Virginia beach, I was with my girlfriend and it was, it was seven, eight foot. And like, for me, that's big. Like I've never, I've never been out. Like, I mean, like I was out a couple of times in some bigger ways, but that was like the biggest, like an eight feet's not even that big. But like, when you think about it, like a, a three or four foot wave can be big, like, you know, but like, you know, like an eight foot wave, like I, I was still relatively like green at that time. Like I didn't know much. And like, I kept getting sucked under and sucked under and sucked under. And then I finally had some local kind of help me. And he was like, have you had enough? And I was like, yeah, I have. But then he kind of started teaching me and it was amazing. Like it was kind of almost like that situation was put there in my life. So I would learn. It was like, I almost died, but I don't think I was meant to die. Like it was meant to, like I was supposed to meet this person and he was going to teach and he, you know, he taught me about, you know what I mean? So it's just kind of weird how stuff like that happens, you know? Absolutely. You put yourself out there and things will happen for you and it'll always be a learning experience. You always learn and grow and find out why you want to surf. You know, do you want to surf big waves? Do you like small waves? You kind of find out what it means to you and, and what you like about it or don't like about it. And you learn how to survive. There's a lot of survival skills you got to learn in surfing. You might take a surfboard in the head or get stuck in a riptide or whatever, but you'll learn. And big waves will definitely teach you fast, you know, so. But it can depend. Like Black's Beach in California, it has a deep ocean canyon, right? So the swells come in, they don't meet any resistance until they hit the sandbars. So six to eight foot in Black Beach is way more gnarly than like 12 foot at Sunset Cliffs, right? Where it's yeah. just a smooth ground swell over a reef. The closest I ever came to drowning was six to eight foot blacks because it was so powerful. It held me under for so long. And I came up and it was three feet of foam and another wave coming. It was like really close. <laughs> but I surfed maybe the biggest waves I ever surfed, maybe 15 to 18 foot, 15 to 20 foot faces. At oh Sunset Coast in enormous. San Diego. That That's was huge, huge, man. And that for me, it was huge. You could hear the boulders rolling on the, you know, down on the, on the bottom. Of the, it was so powerful, you know, but it, it, it was really cool, a great experience. But what I love the best is small waves. I love small waves. I love, for me, I love just being in a casual, cool, but like Malibu, right? Three to five foot Malibu is my dream wave. <laughs> Yeah. It's well, I like, mean, I don't think people understand like when like a 20 foot wave can knock you unconscious in a heartbeat if you get hit the right way. Like if you get hit the right way, you could get flattened. Like, you know what I mean? It's that's well, a people have gotten risk. killed in two foot shore break, right? Hitting their head in the bottom or just yeah. landing wrong or just, uh, you know, getting dazed and sucking in water and drowning, you know, so you have to have respect anytime you get near the ocean, period. You know, yeah. two foot to 20 foot doesn't matter. You can get hit in the head by a surfboard on a three foot wave. And it can do a lot of damage. So you always got to have respect and bigger mm -hmm. waves even more. What was Hawaii like? Was it like a dream? Because I've always dreamt of going there. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. I mean, being the fact that I surfed a part of my life, I've always wanted to go there. And I've just like had always had, I've always had, and this kind of ties into spirituality because like I've always admired the the Hawaiian people, the indigenous Hawaiian people for their spirituality um, and the way they they, that they're they're closer to nature than we are kind of like um the the way that they their traditions and the you know like i don't know if i'm making any sense but do you know what i'm talking about i know exactly what you're talking about absolutely i hear you i hear you yeah they the aloha spirit you know and a lot of my california surfer friends we always use the aloha spirit it's like our you know you know this is what it's all about for us Right. So our group is always about the Aloha spirit maintain and, you know, intentionally articulating that and saying, yeah, that's what we're about, you know, having that vibe. And that's part of the Hawaiian surf culture for sure. And they have Hawaiian locals are always cool, but, you know, they, they expect you to maintain your decorum and, 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 you know, they'll enforce that. So if you go in there and you're cool, 
you know, they'll be cool to you, generally speaking. There's always exceptions and stuff. But my experience was I surfed the South Shore once and the North Shore once. Both times it was small. And it was pretty cool. I just I never got the perfect conditions I would want. Uh, but I love the water and the Hawaiian vibe and all that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's and then cool. Yeah. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to go over. Uh, we've been going almost an hour, but we have some, I have time. I'm not doing anything. I mean, I have to do some work on the show tonight, but I mean, I wanted to uh, get into kind of some of the stuff you're doing to like help raise your consciousness. Like, I mean, I, I know that like one, one thing you mentioned through Texas, you were doing the Wim Hof breathing. Now I'll tell you one technique. No, that you're I talking use. about California, right? Talking about me in California. Um, no, I mean, just like in general, like what you're doing, like in general for like, to like, you know, you said you were doing like the Wim Hof breathing. Like, is that? I thought you said Texas. Oh no, no, no. Um, um, wh wh where was I going with that? Um, sure. I was saying like, uh, like techniques for like a consciousness expansion. Like, are you doing like um Wim Hof breathing? Like, I'll I'll tell you a technique I was using. Like, I was doing meditations, and I was doing like this one I learned online where you go in through the nose, out through the mouth, in through the mouth, out through the nose. And then you kept rotating. It was like a rotating breathing technique. Have you ever heard of that? And like, what do you think the best techniques are for breathing or for breathing exercises like that you've learned or, or what do you think? Well, starting with martial arts for me, you know, we did uh, different types of breathing with the techniques, you know, matching the breath with the technique is such an integral part of that. Cause that's how you kind of can, everything's connected from your breath, your mind, your body, your breath is everything's connected. And, and that's a really big, important part of it. As far as breath work goes, yeah, anything's good. I, I like like the square breathing, you know, uh, equal sides of inhalation, hold, exhalation, hold, box breathing, and uh, and I, and the Wim Hof breathing. I love the Wim Hof. I did it right before this. We did this uh, just to kind of clear my head, and it kind of cycles your respiratory system. You kind of full of oxygen, and you get all that oxygen in there and then you burn it off and you kind of cycling your whole respiratory system and yeah if you ever try it i sent you that link i do it every day now i've been doing it every day for like four months uh so that's the breathing i'm doing right now but there's a lot of breathing techniques uh yoga breathing and uh there's a lot of and they're all probably good it's just whatever resonates with you like wim hof would tell you be the first one to tell you that whatever works for you is the one you should be doing try different things see what works for you they're all good it's really about conscious breathing intentional breathing right Connecting everything, uh, being aware, being mindful, uh, learning how to be present without thought, without judgment, without narrative, uh, all these different, you can meditate with your eyes open, with your eyes closed, you can meditate walking your dog, you can meditate watching the dishes, uh, it's just about being present, being aware, but without having the busy mind, you know, the monkey mind, yeah, and uh, you, can, you can, again, you can apply this stuff to everything, you know, uh, when I was a kid and I was doing jobs, you know, odd jobs like dishwasher or bus, bus boy, I always kind of injected that into it just intuitively to kind of make it special, to create a peak experience out of nothing, basically, right? Which is an intuitive thing for me to do. And then, you know, I was in the army uh, and I was in the infantry and I, I used that same philosophy to do that. And then when I, you know, uh, you know, surfing or skateboarding or any of that kind of stuff, base jumping, skydiving, uh, I was a makeup artist for eight years and uh, I created love consciousness was a part of that. I had a mission to liberate women and girls of all ages from, you know, teenage girls to older women from makeup prison. And so during that eight year period, I was always like a rebel to the corporate profit kind of ego based 
uh, capitalistic aspects of makeup at the expense of women's love for themselves with or without makeup. So if a teenage girls came in with their Girl Scout troop and they wanting to have a, a lecture, I didn't just do a sales trip. You know, I, and, the, and the woman would always come up and say, I didn't expect that. I really appreciate it. I go, I want to plant seeds now that they love themselves with or without makeup and that they enter into it with a, a conscious, aware mind about what the ingredients are, why they're wearing it and when, you know, where does it come from? Why am I doing this? And do it from an empowered, free perspective instead of just, you know, putting on the stuff because it's a cultural expectation. Because I saw my mom do that. Couldn't have wear her eyebrows or not have her lipstick on she was just addicted to it you know and it's like being imprisoned so you can imbue anything you do with that energy of consciousness and the greater good and magic happens man so this was one of the greatest peak experiences of my life i was going to ask you about this this looks amazing what is so that? Is i that had 500 skydives before i started base jumping right and skydiving is amazing in its own right but base jumping was a whole nother thing it's kind of a, a bandit sport. It's underground. You have to find people to equip you and train you and stuff. And it's kind of difficult. But once you find that and you get kind of accepted into that, uh, you know, my first base jumping trip, I did two jumps off, off a 650 foot bridge. Oh my then, God. I'm getting, I'm getting sweaty palms just hearing you say that. Oh, dude. Oh and then God. the following Sunday morning was this antenna. And uh, we like to be discreet in base jumping. Just generally, it's good to be that way. Uh, just for, to be low key about it. Santana was about 1500 feet and me and one guy uh, climbed it for about two and a half hours or so one rung a foot you know just going up the middle and I was definitely scared even after doing those two bridge jumps and having 500 skydives at the time but man and it wasn't about a death wish it was about a life wish and mm. it was I was hungry and how did you get me down I mean like how, how did I, I get okay, down so you jump and then what like what you're 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 suspended to like, I'm guessing your feet are wrapped in something. So, like, do you just... I'll walk you through it real quick. So, we walk up the ladder, take breaks, about two and a half hours or so. We don't go all the way up to the stinger at the top because it has radiation because it's a TV antenna. You don't want to get that, that energy. You want to get too close to it or stay up there too long. So, we go up to about 1,500 feet. There's still probably another 100 feet left. And uh, I gave my friend my camera, and he had jumped this before. He was a little more experienced than me. This was my first antenna jump and only my third base jump. I gave him my camera. And uh, you can see my pilot shoot in my hand right there. For a jump that high, I probably should have stowed it and pulled it out, but I didn't feel comfortable. So I did a low base jump technique where you have it in your hand. What's um, that mean? I don't understand what that means. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not. So I'm the not, pilot I'm... shoot, the pilot shoot is a little parachute. And you throw it out into the airstream and it pulls the, the big parachute out. And this, oh, this, okay. this rig is different than a skydiving rig because it doesn't have a reserve. And there's no pin. It's just Velcro. So it opens up really easy. There's no reefing device to slow it down. It just explodes open. Uh, actually, this did have a reefing device, but it, it had holes in it. It's kind of a technical thing, but it was packed for higher altitude. The, the bridge I jumped was 650 or so. So that was like a four second delay. Oh, my so turned, God. Yeah, this oh turned out God. to be about a, a seven second delay. So I, I gave my friend the camera and I said, get the shot. He's all right. And so I got my pilot sheet ready and see the guy wires coming down. Yeah. So they're on all four sides. So you want to avoid those. <laughs> so you jump yeah, out. How in do the you do that? How do you avoid that? You could get killed hitting into one of those, right? Well, you have, you, you have them on each side of you, right? Uh, you know, and you just have to avoid them. Free fall is pretty easy, right? So you're in between them. You're going downwind. You throw a streamer to check the winds. Ready, set, see ya. And you launch out. And that's the moment right there, dude. 
that was just I can't even imagine. And he he later told me he said he could feel the energy going off me at that moment, right? So I just went arch thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, and then I started putting my arms back in what they call a tracking move, which helped you go forward. It's how you get space skydiving once you have enough airspeed and air resistance, and you'll track away from the target. So four thousand, five thousand, six thousand, and then I square off again. Shoulders are square. Seven, about seven seconds in, I pitched my pilot chute. I had a perfect on-heading opening. If it had been off-heading, I would have had to grab the risers and steer away from the guy wires, right? But I had a good opening. Everything was good, man. I pulled my toggles down. I had a few hundred feet, and I landed in a beautiful meadow. And the world was different, dude. The world was different. It was like the dust being blown off your soul. Colors were brighter. Sounds were different. I was different. It was a peak experience to the extreme. And then I my did, friend like, came down. I heard his parachute open. I looked up and he came down with a big grin on his face. And man, dude, I, I remember going driving home and when we ate food and when I thought of everything, everything was different. Everything was brighter. The colors were a bit more vivid. What would you have done if your chute, chute wouldn't have opened? Like, would you, well, would you it's, have it's a backup? A calculate, or what? I, I say at the bottom of that, it's a paradoxical, a paradoxical leap of faith, right? Because it's transformative peak experience, but it's not careless or reckless. I trained very hard and, and learned a lot and equipped myself properly for this experience. It's not about dying. Nobody wants to see somebody go in on a jump and, or break their legs or all that kind of stuff. And I've seen that happen. And, you know, you don't want to have that happen, right? So it's very much about life and not making a mess and traumatizing people or yourself, right? So it's, it's paradoxical in that way. It's a calculated leap of faith. But you do it the right way, you know, you can't live in a bubble, right? But you you so you but you do things in a disciplined, respectful way for the greater good and for yourself out of self-love. You can have amazing experiences relatively safely. Wow, that's fascinating, man. Like Dude, that's like yeah. I don't know if I would have the balls to do it. Like, I mean, you know who you remind me of, man. Like I because because I, I'm a surfer, I know this movie, and you probably remember it. Do you remember the movie Point Break? Yeah, dude, I, I was skydiving at Parrish Valley when they made that movie. And I actually did a jump with uh, Keanu Reeves. Uh, he was on the same load because he was out there doing some jumps to familiarize himself with that. And at the same time, Patrick Swayze was an experienced jumper who was out there filming the footage they end up using in the film. Uh, he was a really cool guy and he wanted the stuntmen to get paid. So he let them shoot the footage. And it, because they, the film said that you can't do it, insurance won't cover it. He's like, okay. And they let the stuntman get their pay to shoot the footage. But then he went and shot the footage on his own and said, I already did it. Take it or leave it. And so they ended up using some of that in the movie. So it was kind of a win-win. And his brother, Don Swayze, I, I did my first base jump with him. He was a big base jumper. Really cool guy. And uh, yeah, man. So he uh, he actually packed my first parachute. My first that's that's one of my, my favorite movies jump. ever. Like, because I'm, you know, because of the surfing. But I've never had the balls to do... Uh, parachuting but i'd love to or skydiving it's a, it's a like graduated experience robert you know i was scared just senseless my first jump it's just part of the deal you know and uh, i i worked at the drop zones as a cameraman when i was professional and i filmed students doing their first jump and if a student wasn't scared they worried me you know uh because you don't know what's up with them they're like suicidal or there's something it's not right it's, it's so you you need to be it's a very alien experience that fear is what's going to make it it's that much more rewarding when you're done. Can I ask right? you a question? Would you say that you're like an adrenaline junkie then? Or would you or would you would you say it's just more like a consciousness expansion? Funny because when both. I was in the army, 
my my helmet band and my helmet said adrenaline junkie <laughs> that's cool that's so really yeah cool. i'm a total adrenaline junkie especially back then but now so i would do things that you know gave me adrenaline rush yeah absolutely for sure i did a lot of that um and you know now more i just kind of that same you know i get that same kind of feeling from going more inward and being in presence practicing presence and and trying to connect to things on a quantum level and share all that energy from all that experience, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, I kind of like, I, I just like, you know, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I'll just tell you, like, I really got away from meditation. Like I was like, I'm trying to like, I, I was like trying to prove that, like, you know, that the soul is real and that, you know, there is an afterlife. And one of my ways to prove that was like, well, I figured, okay, I'll start this podcast, but that wasn't anywhere nearly enough of the, the, you know, it's like, I need to be out in the field and I plan on doing this. I want to go to some haunted places and I want to interact with spirits, but no, on top of that, what I was doing, if I couldn't, cause I couldn't get out to haunted places right away. So what I was doing is I was using Robert Monroe's Hemisync by Neural Beats. And I was trying to have I was trying to stimulate out of body experiences because I felt like if I could go out of body, then that's it. Then I know that there's another version of myself that exists. And I think there's a big difference between an out of body experience and a lucid dream. Anybody can go to sleep and have a lucid dream, but to pop out of body, that's different. That's like, and you can do it through meditation from what I, you know, like, okay, I'll tell you, I, I had one experience where I popped out of body for like, it, this is what it felt like. I felt like I popped out of body for one second. And, and, and then I got scared and came back in, but I, it, for me, it didn't seem real. I don't know, for some reason, I can't explain this. It didn't seem real. Oh, the things that were weird leading up to it were like when, uh, as I was starting to transition out of body, your body starts vibrating at a really high rate. So almost like your vibration naturally goes up. Then you start to get this like weird whooshing sound in your head, almost like mm -hmm. you're changing frequency. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's very strange. So I've, I've, i that's one of the questions I ask my guests a lot. Like the, what do you think about out of body experiences compared to lucid dreaming? Because I think out of body experiences are very real. What do you think? Yeah, I would say there's probably a difference between a lucid dream and an out-of-body experience or having an astral travel type experience. Uh, I've had that a few times in my life. I had it once on LSD where I felt myself just getting sucked out of my body and then just uh, becoming and jolting myself back into it because it, kind of, it was kind of accidental. Uh, so being kind of startled by it. And then uh, I had an outer body or kind of what I would call some type of astral travel experience uh, after my mom passed away the very first Mother's Day after she passed away. I had this experience of her presence and it, it, all I can say is it just felt different. It was in real time. Uh, I was fully aware that she had passed away and that I was getting an opportunity to see her again, the way she looked at me. It was, it just felt so real, it felt different. So I can speak to that. And then I had an experience recently. I did uh, uh, 15 sessions of ketamine and uh, out of the 15 sessions I had on the seventh session, I went from 100 milligrams to 200 milligrams. And on the uh, seventh session, after I talked to the trip sitter for like 40 minutes and just went off on my own, uh, I remembered a film I saw in the 70s called Circle of Iron. And long story short, it's about a martial artist that goes on a journey to see the Book of Truth. He goes through all this stuff and faces an antagonist, finally gets to the temple, gets the Book of Truth. And it's just every time he opens it, a mirror showing a reflection of himself. So he becomes aware that it's always been there. He's the truth is within him. So he's completely relieved of all burdens, and he, his antagonist becomes his best friend. Your shadow is your friend, <laughs> right? And yeah. 
so he becomes enlightened in that sense and he becomes less dense and raises vibration into oneness and celebrates that with his shadows and antagonists. But at that moment, man, I got sucked down a tunnel. Like it was just so, so amazing. Completely felt like I got sucked out of my body where I was fully present, but I was separate from my pain, physical pain, emotional pain, uh, any thoughts, any ideas. Uh, I felt like I was with the Godhead, uh, it, geometric. Uh, it, there was a kind of hum to a vibration to it, uh, but everything was separate. So I could see my essence, my presence, without all that we become encumbered with uh, as when we're fully incarnate as human beings and we become encumbered with stuff, you know, from the time we're born. And, uh, and none of that stuff is necessarily, it's like your shadow. It's just about developing a relationship with it. You know, you stand at the edge of, edge of a cliff with a loved one enjoying a sunset, or you can like jump off and, and die and, and traumatize people, right? You're just, the dark side is always there. The shadow is always there. It's your consciousness, your intentional choice, conscious breathing, consciousness, energy, you know, how you think, you know, visualizing, uh, believing, and, and just uh, being present with that. You know, it, it really shapes everything. I agree. I agree. I, I don't have any other questions. Is there anything else that you kind of want to do uh, talk about before we finish up for tonight? I'm, I'm kind of excited. I want to upload this tonight. I'd like to, uh, you know, um, but um, is there anything else you want to touch on before we finish up? Um, I mean, I could talk forever. I really enjoy talking to you, Robert, and I'm really uh, grateful and honored to be a part of this conversation. And uh, yeah, you know, just the uh, I think yeah. that all of it is within us and that we all need to just kind of liberate ourselves and, uh, and communicate and, and be authentic and uh, use our empathy and zoom out, uh, engage everything with your body, your mind and your spirit, zoom out, see the big picture. And the truth is there if you want it. It literally is about you can't tell anybody anything. They have to learn it for themselves. And that was the whole idea of my blog was more or less for the uninitiated, perhaps, it's a great exercise, a stream of conscience for anybody, especially geared towards the uninitiated in the sense that they maybe haven't asked questions before and they're just looking for answers. When we see all the madness going on in society, right, a lot of those people don't know what's going on with them. They're indoctrinated. They're, they're disconnected from themselves and everybody else. And so they behave the way they behave. You know, it is what it is. And discernment is important. You can't just, ah, everybody's just that in their perspective. It's okay to acknowledge you know, things that are harmful or uh, dissonant or negative, acknowledge that, you know, right? And then you develop, like, a lot of uh, indigenous tribes have a sense of uh, redemption in their justice. It's not about separating and fragmenting. It's about in, uh, redeeming people back into the, into the family, right? So contributing to that, it starts with yourself, taking the red pill, looking for truth. As far as human origins, the alien question, our genetics, epigenetics, idea that we can not only heal ourselves and change the uh how our genes express themselves we can activate latent dna so when you start tapping into things opening yourself up and intentionally asking uh your dna is ready to help facilitate that i believe so in order to move past whatever is causing this fog in people whether it's social indoctrination whether it's aliens creating some kind of mechanism through genes or something else to keep people suppressed and controlled i don't know but we do have we are we do have existential liberation as our birthright spiritually and as human beings you have to claim it you have to take the red pill and then I, 
right there for you. I couldn't agree more. I think I think that's what we're in. I think that's what this time is. I think we're the people that have to bring it forward. So people, other people will follow in suit. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, like we were like the rule breakers when we grew up and we were like all against like, you know, like we lived that punk rock type lifestyle. Now we just have to have more of like a Zen Buddha type lifestyle, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, like, it, I don't know. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. You just become, when you become lighter, or, you know, more enlightened, right? You're raising your vibration. Like when you go through punk rock and stuff, you're still struggling and everything's still chaotic. You're, you're something's there and you're trying to find it and tap into it, but you don't know how to quite get there, but you're determined to answer the call. And so it takes that form at that time. And then through practice and training, things refine themselves and reveal themselves to you. And it's so much more simple. It's so much more about surrender and presence and everything is just there. The mystery never changes mystery is at forever it's infinite so the mystery so you learn to have a relationship with the mystery uh, you just surrender to it and you're open to it but in in that you become more aware you vibrate higher your awareness becomes more expanded your your awareness of connection and you become more empowered like i said then the universe can trust you and you can act as an like a jedi knight or like you know pain and kung fu or a monk or whatever uh anybody you're just the one we're all the one and we can create any kind of world and experience we want to. And, and the shadow and the darkness will always be there because it, it creates free will. You know, it's just the option where choice. And it's only there to show you, you know, it's like a, like a tool, right? But the living experience we have as a sentient being is our choice, right? So we just have to recognize that and, and connect quantumly and help others do the same. I agree. I agree. That's really well said. Well, do you want to, I mean, I, I showed your website, but do you want to tell everybody how to get to your website? And uh, if anybody wants to contact you, if you want to be contacted, if you can give them your email. And sure. Yeah. So the website is existentialliberation.com. It's just a brief stream of consciousness. And you can certainly contact me there. Um, my Instagram, I don't know if you're going to post that. It's Christian Nicholas. That's N-I-K-O-L-A-S 62. Uh, Christian Nicholas 62. And uh, I'll send you a couple of links, Robert. I have some artwork, uh, stuff I use for my tattoo, spiritual stuff. I call it infinite icons that I use for my tattoo work. That's a whole other subject we can talk about sometime is spiritual tattoos. Um, oh, yeah. But it's just some artwork on pixels. And then I have some NFTs on OpenSea, <laughs> if anybody's into crypto. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's real cool. So you do spiritual tattoos too? Like you, you... I've received spiritual tattoos. It's a spiritual process for myself. Oh, that's cool. Since the, I got my first one in the army in 1987 and I've, I've gotten a lot more over the years. And so it's been a spiritual process for me. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Send me the links. I'll wait to post it until you send me the links. And then once you send me the links, I'll, I'll, I'll start uploading it now and stuff. And then I'd like to try to post it tonight, but sometimes zoom takes a long time to um, it's, you've got to, it, it has to, uh, process the file it does something you know so but i hopefully i'll get it up tonight and um you know because it's already eight o'clock here it's 8 30 here on the east coast but um mm. you know um you know yeah i'll probably get it up tonight though i'll try i'll definitely try oh. yeah but, no problem uh, take your time and uh i'll send you those two links and then you have my website my instagram and it's just been such a pleasure robert i just uh can't oh, tell you. you don't even know you're like two we're like two birds from the same feather or whatever you know like <laughs> You know, like seriously, birds of like, a feather flock together. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's yeah. resonance there, brother, because we're in the same zone. We're talking yeah. about the same stuff. We're we're resonating on the same frequency, and that's a beautiful thing to recognize and share. It's a beautiful thing. 
it's I'd great. love to have you back on again. I, you know, like I, you, you know, like I, I, you know, you seem like a really like enlightened person that I could learn a lot from. Like, you know, and I, I want to. That's what this is all about for me. I want to be open to where I learn. You know what I mean? Like, because I don't have all the answers. Like, I don't pretend to because I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? There's so much that's unknown. And so like when I meet someone like yourself, I feel like it's a great opportunity for me to kind of open myself up and learn more, you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, you're in a perfect place, Robert, because you're very humble, you're open and curious and you know what you know, you know, you're just, everybody's at a different place. Um, you know, I'm 20 years older than you. I've had different experiences, but I just kind of know what I know, you know, and that's why we all share what we've learned from our su subjective experience or our practices or, our. uh, circumstances all the things we've grown from and learned from and we share that and it kind of like comes together and creates resonance and synergy and we're contributing to a critical mass you know if there's a critical mass of awakened consciousness and we can redeem all the other consciousnesses that have been cheated out of their uh, authentic you know identity and potential we can live in the reality of our dreams and then we can be welcomed into the greater realities that are existing all around us you know and that goes into the higher higher beings, higher consciousness, we can be a part of that community. But right now we're still like a monkeys with guns phase. So we gotta learn to pilot our meat suit. And uh, that's our kind of our responsibility as human beings. So that's why it's great to not only answer the call for yourself, answer that responsibility for the greater good, but to help others do the same. Love yourself, know yourself and be true to yourself and then help others do the same, you know, any way you can, even if just by and you'll, that, those opportunities will open themselves to you, just like letting somebody on the freeway or giving somebody a word of encouragement or an act of kindness, things like that. I agree. Well, um, again, it was really nice meeting you. And uh, until nice next you time. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, Robert. All right. Have a nice night. All right. You too. Thank you. Babe. All right. Bye.